Welcome back to my podcast, The Daily Struggle with Mike. I'm your host, Mike, and today we're going to be kind of piggybacking off of the last episode that we had talked about in reference to the journey through alcohol. Now, you know, when I was a teenager, I was a very rebellious teenager. My parents, they used to split up all the time. And as, growing up as a kid, you know, we used to move constantly. My dad never would and keep a job. And, uh, you know, so it caused us to move all over the place. So I never really got close to anybody. Uh, every time I got, you know, friends, it seemed like we were moving again. So I started learning how to let people go and not get too attached. Now, as I got older, that you know, of course, it became a little bit of a destructive pattern. Uh, whenever I was about 18 or 19 years old, I was drinking really bad and partying. And my parents had split up uh, a little earlier than that. And my mom got with my stepdad, which, you know, really bothered me because I, for me, I never realized how much, you know, being having a home broken up would damage the way that I viewed things. But it was. It was pretty bad. I was very close to both my parents. So... When my dad stepped out, it really, really destroyed me. And uh, so I started partying a lot. Now, I actually met my first wife when I was about 19 years old. And we met at a bar, actually, which <laughs> which is kind of funny. But we got together. You know, we moved pretty quickly. Uh, she became pregnant with my, my son. And um, I sobered up. So I got sobered up. Uh, worked my butt off you know we were together for about five years and then we went through a, a pretty bad divorce and uh after the divorce i moved in with my mother now at the time i actually had a, another friend his name was michael too he moved in with me at my mother's house and my mom wanted to just you know try to have somebody there with me to kind of help me go through things now the thing about my mom is my mom had been like sick for a while and I couldn't understand what was going on with her because she never would actually talk to us or, you know, explain anything to us. She never, she never once told us what she had going on in her life or anything that had to do with medical. All I knew was she used to lay in the bed a lot and smoked Marble Light 100s <laughs> and drink Coca-Cola. That was, that was my mama. Now, she was the most uh, sweetest person I, I've ever met. She would let anybody move in. She took care of anybody. Uh, she could cook her butt off, but uh, but she she was bedridden a lot. And uh, back then, I didn't really pay attention, you know, because I was kind of in my own world and my own feelings. Uh, as I'm older now, I look back and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of signs that you know should have been addressed. But uh, so anyhow, my friend moved in with me, and you know, of course, I was uh, very heartbroken over the divorce, you know, because we had a child together. But, um, so we were together for, you know, um, he had lived with us for probably about a good six months and we were getting ready to go to, uh, this place downtown for calzones. Well, mom comes down the stairs and she starts talking about how she made us hot wings. So, you know, me being, um, you know, a typical, well, at this time I'm like 25 years old, but <laughs> But anyhow, I'm all excited and everything. I'm like, yeah, we're going to tear that up. You know, we're just going to run down the road real quick, get a calzone, come back, and we'll eat that too. So anyhow, we get to the place to get our calzone, and my buddy, he starts getting sick, and uh, which is so weird to me. But anyhow, he starts getting sick. He starts throwing up um, out in the parking lot. I put him in my truck. You know, we got the calzones to go. And uh, put him, anyhow, I put him in my truck, and he's literally throwing up outside my vehicle the whole way back to the, the apartment. We finally get back to the apartment, and uh, I go upstairs, and I open up my to-go box to eat my calzone, and my stepdad starts yelling. 
And as soon as I went in there, mom was on the floor. And for the first time in my life, I didn't know what to do. So I screamed for my buddy Michael because he was a prior military, and I figured maybe he knew what to do. So anyhow, I screamed for him. He comes running upstairs. He immediately goes to do CPR on my mom. I called the police department, and uh, I let them know what's going on. So they're sending an ambulance out. So when the police department gets out to the house, they ask me what I want them to do. And I knew the officers because I... Uh, the town I lived in at the time was a very small town, so we all went to the gym together. So anyhow, when they walked in the house, they asked me what, they, what I wanted them to do, and I just said, you know, keep my little brother in the kitchen. I didn't want them seeing this. So they took my little brother in the kitchen, and then um, I saw them bring my mom down uh, in a sheet because uh, the stairwell was too thin for them to be able to bring a bed up to bring her down. So they brought her down in a sheet put her in the back of the ambulance and I, I was watching them actually working on her in the back of the ambulance as they were driving off. So I got into my vehicle and uh, I'm, I'm calling my dad the whole time at this point. And this is the first time my dad had ever not had the phone on. For some reason he had the phone turned off this one, this only time. And uh, so I'm, try, I'm trying to call him, right? And the phone is not ringing. And so I'm telling everybody that I'm about to go uh, get my father as soon as I get to the hospital I want to see how my mom's doing and I'm going to get my father so we arrive at the hospital as soon as we get to the hospital we walk in the room and there's just a doctor standing there I started bawling my eyes out because I knew my mom had passed so he just kind of shook his head I don't even think he said anything I think that doctor actually just shook his head and and I lost it I immediately went outside, and I was bawling my eyes out, and I was like, I have to go get my dad. And uh, so my buddy Michael, he rode with me, and we darted over, and I literally kicked his bedroom door open, and I was like, all I could say was dad. And he, of course, immediately sat up, and he just started crying. He already knew. And uh, so he gets in my vehicle. We go back to the hospital, and, uh, of course, at this point, we're setting up, you know, arrangements I guess I, I don't really even you know that that part was a little blurry to me but it's crazy how whenever you experience death how quickly that seems to move because uh, the whole funeral process and everything like that just seems so fast I don't I don't know what the deal is with that but so anyhow uh, after that after losing mom I started drinking and I started drinking very heavily for about another year uh, I was going to parties. I had a buddy, um, my best friend, man. They used to have these block parties and stuff like that. And I literally just stayed drinking and partying, you know, a lot, like literally almost all the time. And at the time, you know, every time I would try to do good for myself, it just seemed like I would get emotionally destroyed because um, I would get my son for the weekend and then you know, that would be the light of my life. And then whenever he would leave, it would just break my heart every single time. And then the very first thought in my mind was, well, we can go drinking and have a good time. And so I kind of, I kind of consistently did that for at least another year or so. And like I said, partying with people and, um, did drugs and all kinds of just whatever. I was very destructive to my body and destructive to myself at that point in time. I just wanted to be numb. I just wanted to make sure, make make it feel like everything was a, a good time. Um, so up until that point, 
you know, I was trying to learn how to grow up and how to deal with loss. And, uh, you know, when you go through a divorce and then you go through losing uh, a parent right after that, it's just like a little overpowering on where do I go from here? What do I do? Because my mom was my everything. That was my, my safety net. That was my, you know, if I ever needed somebody, she was there and she was gone. What wound up happening was mom actually was on a waiting list for a liver transplant, and I didn't know it. I, I don't think anybody knew it. Uh, maybe my stepdad uh, might have known, or maybe my dad, I don't know. Um, she, like I said, she never really discussed anything with her children. And we were taking Disney trips left and right. So, it, so to me now, you know, that makes sense because I'm like, why were we taking so many trips, you know? Um, and she was enjoying her last, her last moments with her kids, and I didn't even know. And, uh, you know, the power behind a, a woman that knows that she's um, dying and yet still doesn't say anything still to this day is a power that I can't even understand. That's amazing. God bless her for that. Uh, she always wanted what was best for her kids. And uh, clearly she she definitely dealt with emotions. Um, I guess the waiting list was going to take too long. So. The moments leading up to her passing, uh, my dad actually came over, and I'll never forget this. This this is a, this is so crazy. But I was I was sitting in the living room, right? wasn't even paying attention. You know, I was talking to mom, and she went to go answer the, the front door, and as soon as she answered the front door, my dad just started crying. He's like, he's like, Wendy, please go to the hospital. Uh, you're yellow, and. Uh, of course, back then I, I didn't know what any of that meant, and uh, he's like, "You're not gonna, you won't make it throughout the weekend if you don't go to the hospital. Please go to the hospital." And uh, you know, she didn't, she didn't really listen to him. And it was that weekend that you know she passed. So um, it's amazing the things that you overlook when you're younger. You know, especially if you're going through anything. There's a lot of things that I realized that I was, you know, of course, overlooking because I was so deep into my own feelings and and myself that it was very hard for me to see what was going on around me. And uh, so losing losing mom was a very, that was a really big uh, hurt in my life. That was a very big pain that I was not ready for. I, 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 you know, it's funny because I, I really felt like I was gonna grow old with my parents. And uh, so, when you lose a parent, it's it's one of those things that you're just like, wait, what am, what are you talking about? I can't call them. I can't, you know. And that's the weird part about somebody passing away is the fact that you can't call them. You can't ask them for a recipe. You can't ask them for a memory. You can't ask them, you know, what they think about this or that. And uh, so that was a very hard thing to go through. And uh, you know, of course, I never sought you know any type of counseling or anything like that. My counseling was uh, partying with my friends at this point in time. Now, after mom passed away, dad moved in to the apartment that she was in, and my stepdad, he left. And, you know, it was, dad was trying to be dad for the very first time, and um, it's very hard, especially when you're young, uh, when your dad, you know, if you get to a point where your dad abandons you, and then your dad tries to come back into the picture, it's very hard sometimes to allow that to, to happen. And what was going on was he had came back into our life, you know, and he was being a dad. And, uh, of course, I was I was a very immature person. I, I don't think I got my maturity until at least 35 or 36. 
And uh, so anyhow, I was very immature, and I didn't appreciate, you know, the fact of what Dad was trying to do. And uh, But he was stepping up, though, and he was taking care of my little brother. Of course, at this point in time, you know, Dad wanted to be the good guy, so he never really was one of those type of people that, would, you know, there was no restrictions. You know, I could party, I could bring, you know, whoever home I wanted to bring home, you know, all that. Didn't matter uh, if I if I tried drugs or did drugs, you know. He just he just want, he, only thing he cared about was the fact that you know we're, we're safe. So he he would call you know a pretty good bit and just check up on us. And then if we needed somebody to come get us, of course you know he would come and get us. But um, now and keep in mind too, like my son at this point in time, I believe he was three years old. My little brother, I, I want to say my little brother was probably maybe ten or something like that. Uh, so they were very young. Um, and at that point in time, I was not a good brother at that point in time. I was not really a good father. Uh, like I said, I was really mixed into my own feelings and I was going through a lot of, uh, post traumas too, at this point in time, this was the first parent I lost. And, um, you know, so going through that and then going through, you know, my parents divorce and, you know, of course, even when my son was two years old, he had brain surgery. He had a, what they call a convexity arachnoid cyst on the left portion of his brain and uh so at this point in time there was a lot going on uh, causing me to drink and of course keeping me uh in an addiction that i didn't even know that was a was an issue at that point in time so what we're going to do today though is we're going to go ahead and wrap this on up and i will we'll go back into the series <laughs> we'll go back into the series tomorrow and I'll tell you about what happened after, of course, whatever happened after that. So anyhow, till next time.